Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman and Associates. Now here's Connie. Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. Thank you again for joining me this week. So my motivational quote for today is by Brian Tracy, and it says, Financial security and independence are like a three-legged stool resting on savings, insurance, and investments. Think about it. How much time do you spend every day taking care of your family? Example, making lunches, doing laundry, earning a living, cooking dinner. It's all about the family. Well, there are some big picture steps that everyone should take to ensure the safety of our family really in that long term. Our guest today, Vlad Zeranovsky, has the answers. He has spoken and presented at various financial functions and has called this particular presentation, I just love it, Your Financial Love Letter to Family. So help me welcome back, actually. Vlad has been, this is his second time on the show, so help me welcome him. Hello, Vlad. Thank you for being on the show. Hi, Connie. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Wonderful to be back. Yeah, you know, you and I had spoken the first time and we talked about little things that add up to big from a savings perspective and, you know, how not to go to Starbucks every day, maybe on Monday and Friday and those little things. Now we're kind of zooming out a little bit and looking at that long-term perspective. So I I want to set the stage, Vlad. You know, how many people listening have a safe deposit in their basement or perhaps a safe deposit at your your local bank, right? We all have our papers somewhere. You know, when you look, when we look in that safe deposit box or the basement safe, I ask you guys, are your records all organized or are they just stuffed in a shoebox or stuffed in a file and then, you know, shoved into that whatever deposit? you know, safe deposit box or, or um, a ba- basement safe. You know, do your family members, if, if something happens to us, right, Vlad, do our family members know where to go, what to do, what to sign in and all of that? And I, I ask everyone, did you answer no to any of what I just said? Or yes, that your stuff is a mess, basically. Um, then we, you're really going to be in store for a treat today uh, with Vlad. So I think that that. That's a good visual to start with. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, no, Connie, as always, you draw a very clear picture and a great quote, by the way. That was, that was right on. Isn't that the so cool? The things that we, we talk about. Yeah, and, you know, savings insurance, just God forbid we don't make it. And then, of course, the investments is our responsibility, whether for heirs or whatever it is, which is what we're going to talk about today. So first thing, life happens. We have to protect ourselves. And I know, I think women, um, the survival guide to family's financial affairs, I think women have a tougher time. And I don't know if, I, maybe, maybe you can answer this. I don't know if it's older women because the man takes care of things, that generation, or do you see it cross generations where women struggle a little bit with that whole survival financially? At this point, the funny thing is I'm seeing that this is carrying over to my generation as well, and I'm part of the uh, Gen Xs. I'm not <laughs> Generation Y, but Generation X. So my parents are the baby boomers. And the the funny thing is that if you think about the normal family dynamics of uh, baby boomer generation, you know, 
women grew up in a household where her, their fathers took care of the financial affairs. They went to work, and um, in most cases, mothers stayed home or they continued working as well. And then when they became married, the husband took care of the financial affairs and just kept on going this way. So, and this is a hardcore statistic. I mean, you can look it up. I did. And this is what I constantly talk about, you know. Um, in Amazingly enough, in 8 out of 10 households, men take care of the financial affairs. But in, in basically 80% of the remaining households, women outlive their spouse by 5 to 7 years. So think about it. You have a significant other who takes care of the financial affairs, talking to CPA, family attorney. He knows where the will is, the bank, the safe deposit. He talks to the banker, the financial advisor, the insurance guy, whatever is the case. And they're the ones who, statistically speaking, more likely go first. And then the surviving spouse is left in the dark with, like you said, maybe a safe deposit box, maybe a safe in the house, maybe a shoebox with just information stuffed in it. So besides dealing all of a sudden with this grief that you're, you're absolutely stricken with, you also have to deal with, well, when is the mortgage due? Well, how much money is left on that mortgage? Do you know where the passwords are, you know, to the new website? Do you know who the banker is that your husband was speaking with? Who is the CPA? Where to locate your bank account, your check deposit, uh, you, well, your you checkbook? to make for final arrangements or whatever is the case. You it's know, do you know where and, the... and and your statistic, eight out of ten, that's eighty percent of the time men take care of the finances and Correct. we bury our head and I'll I'll share a great example. I have a very, very dear friend and she's a banker, uh, ironically. And she her and her husband very aware of what was what, et cetera. He had a business okay. though. And he had cancer, and she kept saying to him, he was battling it and really doing well, but she kept saying, I really think we need to talk about the business. I need to know where certain things are. I need to know your passwords. I, you know, what if, what if, what if? And he didn't want to talk about it and said, no, it's good, it's good, I'm good, I'm good. By the time he realized that he needed to talk to her, it was too late. He couldn't, he couldn't speak. He couldn't get out of bed. And, of course, she didn't want to burden him with where is everything. So right. The reason exactly. I'm telling you this, net, net, now he has this big, he had this big SUV. He, he did manufacturing uh, uh, machinery. So he had this big okay. SUV. Well, she did not need this big SUV after his passing. And she couldn't find the title. She couldn't oh. find, like, the extra set of keys. So it was such a pain in the, in the neck to just get the duplicate title and all of that. So people say, oh, I could get duplicate paperwork. Yes, you can. Do you know what a pain in the neck it is to do it? So why not be, or pre, like be proactively organized and don't allow that to happen? So sad story. Correct. I mean, she, she laughed about it, but it's a sad story because she knew and he didn't want to burden her. It's not burdening. It's important. <laughs> exactly. That's that's a very important point. You're absolutely correct about it. it I, um, you know, I actually, one of the stories that I wanted to share with you was I see things like this. I mean, think about it. I've been in business now for 12 years mm -hmm. with Morgan Stanley's, well, Covia's, well, Fargo's, and now with my own wealth management company for the past five years. And um, I've seen this hundreds of times. We've worked with so many families over the course of my professional career you know, it's like, like seeing a doctor who, who tells people that they have high blood pressure because they're uh, 
diet is not satisfactory and they need to exercise more. It keeps on happening to you. So the amazing part is when we meet with families who hire us for the first time, it's not about asset allocation. It's not about, you know, what's the new hot stock? What are we buying? What are we selling? You know, are we meeting the objectives? It's literally going, where is everything? You know, yes. who, who are these accounts designed for? Who are the beneficiaries? Where are things going, God forbid, something happens to you or your significant other? And it's, it's, it's mesmerizing to this day when, when new families come to our conference room and they bring their financial information and they lay it in front of me and I take it and I move it to the side and I have a blank piece of paper and I just start asking them. And, and, and it's amazing. I mean, I ask people about who, who is the beneficiary in this account, right? If something happens to you, who, who gets the money from your checking account? Let's talk about the basic stuff. And people just sit there and go, well, uh, he is, uh, or I am, and, and, and this is basic stuff. Yeah. So we it becomes incredibly important. It. Yeah. I, I, you know what I think, too, it is that the whole premise is we're talking about death, right? But really not. We're really talking about protection of, of our future, of our family's future, of our spouse's future, of our future, so that we can retire, all those things. But when you start breaking it down, like, how do you want your money to be allocated? Do you plan on traveling? Where do you want to live? All of those things, we forget that it's not talking about death. It's talking about living. That's really what we're talking about. And I don't know. Legacy. Our legacy. That's exactly right, our legacy. And I don't know that people think about that they they don't want and, and i'll give you an example um when i do the training and we talk about trust okay, services okay. right banks always have the wealth management departments typically in the bank so i'll i'll say to them you know how many of you ask your clients if they have a current and updated will now the bank exactly. that they work for can't write the will but we certainly can recommend attorneys that are trusted estate attorneys to be able to do a, a, a good will and nobody then I go around the room and I say, okay, now you're bankers, right? You, you have resources. You're better educated than most people on the street. So let's go around the okay. room. How many, I make them, how many are married? How many have children? And then I'll say, okay, keep your hands up if you have a will. And if I have 15 people in the room, Vlad, you're never going to believe this. Maybe two hands stay right. up. Right. Ten are married with kids. Two hands stay up. And I say, why? You know what the number one, do you, well, but you probably do, but you know what the number one answer I get? Go ahead. I don't know who to make the guardian of my kids. I almost want to die every time I hear that. And then the second thing is um, we don't know who to go to and we can't afford it. And the ridiculous thing is that your will and and documentation, right, organizing is not that costly. It's almost very cost effective, again, to be that proactive. But when someone says to me they don't know who they want the guardian to be, I, I stop, I, I pause, and I think, so you want you want them to become wards of the state, and you want You're a judge? You're absolutely correct. Yep. I, you know, think about, and then oftentimes they say, really, that's what happens? I go, yeah, really, Google it. <laughs> that's exactly what happens. <laughs> this is what happens. And then you see him say, oh, I got to call our trust department and get an attorney. And then I say, yeah, take that one step further. It's your responsibility to help your clients who aren't aware of resources perhaps. So, you know, you have knowledge and we don't, we don't think about sharing it. So that's why I'm just very excited to have you on because this is such an important topic and I don't think that families discuss. And that's why I'm, I'm very excited um, to have you here. 
So I guess the question is, or the first question should be, does everybody know where everything is, right? Correct. And have access to. Can you tell us some stories perhaps that people didn't know where everything was and what, and what that looked like and felt like for the poor people left you know, behind? It happens more so you can possibly imagine, and that's exactly what you're talking about. And when you lay this out, and don't misunderstand, this is not, we're not sharing this. Connie and I are not sharing with all of you, our listeners, to scare you. But we're, we're trying to underline to show you what actually happens when things are not seen through. So, Connie, I want to just piggyback very quickly on, on, on your children becoming the ward of the state. That yeah. process. You could have simply be, well, my mother will naturally just come in and take care of But I'll use myself. Myself and my wife, we have two children. My son is three. My daughter is a year and a half. God forbid something happens to us. My sister will, take, will step in to take care of the children. My parents are getting up there in age. It will be very difficult for them. But my sister has a five-year-old daughter with a baby on the way, so we're excited about it. But she Yay. will literally become, thank you, she'll literally step in. <laughs> And God forbid something happens to care of our children. Now, let's say this is just a verbal agreement between her and I. Well, the state doesn't know it. They'll right. come in and they'll take the children, they'll place them in the foster home, and they'll stay in the home until the judge and my sister and my family run through the courts in order for that judge to say, oh, yeah, okay, you, that's fine. Since you have the next thing, Kim, kind of, they'll go with you. Now, going back to, um, this is just to share, and uh, again, not to scare anybody, but to explain what actually happens in situations like this. And, and here's the thing. The judge has to do that. Think about it. You didn't choose, like you didn't write it down that your sister's going to take over. The judge can't assume just because they're next of kin that they could be a responsible parent for these, you know, children now who have lost their parents. So the judge has to do their due diligence to make sure they have a job, it's a suitable home, all of the, you know, they're not drug addicts or whatever, to make sure that these children will now be safe. So you have to go through this process if there's not documentation in place. Correct. Correct. And then to share a little further about uh, not knowing. Oh, you and I discussing this, the, um, what, we, what we've designed for this uh, show to be today. I regularly put together seminars for women clients to come in, and we discuss a variety of things for them to be aware. And I called this particular seminar a financial love letter to family. And, and I just love that it name. Was, <laughs> well, I, I love that name. You know, because the idea behind this is it is your voice. It's your well-being. It's your family. It's celebrating life. So you're literally putting together kind of a, a guideline of telling your family, this is where everything is, this is where I would like for things to go, and this is not a will. This is more of an instruction, basically like an instruction sheet. It doesn't have to be 50 pages long, well, unless you right, have a right. answer. If you want to be very particular. But, Connie, I could have 50 women in the room, and out of 50, 45 of them would say, I had no idea. I had yeah. no idea that it's, it's this convoluted. I had no idea that... It's that detailed. I had no idea, no idea, no idea. And yes. the thing becomes, the value that we bring, it's not about how much money you earn in the stock market, 3%, 5%, 7%. You lost money. You made money. If the beneficiary information is not set up correctly in the account, you will lose all of it to whoever that beneficiary is. And we'll go, this, this is part of the next segment, so I kind of gave a little, uh, 
Um, a little teaser. Yes, like, a little exactly, teaser. a little yeah. teaser. And, and I have, unfortunately, I have gruesome stories. And, and family is dealing with this right now. But the bottom line is this. Just sit down with your significant other and, and with your spouse, your boyfriend. I mean, we went through turbulence in the past six years, since 2008, six, seven years, where, you know, the market went crazy. People lost jobs. People were forced to relocate. Kids lost jobs. They moved back home. Parents were taking money out of their account moving back and forth. Some had to relocate. Some had to sell their properties to downsize. That chaos, it will continue. There's nobody there to stop it other than yourself. There's nobody there. Well, there are guys like I and Connie, professionals who sit down and tell you this is what needs to be done. This is more important than making sure that your money is, you know, is allocated to Southeast Asia or, you know, if, if German GDP is increasing according to what Janet Yellen is talking about. All of that becomes irrelevant. That's right. And it's I hope I'm explaining myself. Yeah, <laughs> it's clear you're, enough. You're, it, it, it is because foundationally, if the foundation is weak, everything you build on top doesn't matter. So you, you, want, you want to be strong from the bottom all the way up. Yes, the investments are important. The allocations are important. But if you don't have the base, you know, you go to basic training. Jeter doesn't show up at basic training, and the coach says, dude, you rock and roll. Go sit and have exactly. a high tie while the rest of us practice. Just get your butt out there. We're <laughs> doing some fielding, batting, right? Basic, basic training. All right, let's take a break exactly. here, Vlad. And when we come back, sure. let's talk about and explain what titling of the accounts or what are some of the titles of the accounts. Everybody kind of understands how things beneficiaries Ooh. should be listed and all of that. So a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about that. Very well. It's a shame when you're feeling stuck in your business and you feel like you have nowhere to turn. It's a shame when you slog through long days in your business and you don't get any return. It's a shame when you feel like you can't see the forest for the trees and your business brings you to your knees. Einstein said repeating the same actions over and over won't produce different results. So stop feeling ashamed. Your business and you deserve better. Change that shame into righteous fame. Connie Whitman, contain that shame. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates will help you to discover your new path, and nothing will ever be the same. Connie's tried and true one-on-one coaching sessions will tame that shame so you and your business will not continue in vain. Call Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates today at 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Call Connie. Turn that shame into your game. Okay, we are back, and Vlad and I are talking about uh, financial love letters to our families, and I just love that title. So now we're talking about actually titling of accounts so that the money is after, God forbid, something happens to you, that the money is left to the proper channels, whether it be charity, children, grandchildren, sisters, siblings, brothers, whatever it might be. So let's talk a little bit about that. And, and can you define for everybody what each thing is and means and, and examples? Very well. So I'll go through this. And um, clearly, if anyone has any questions, they're welcome to reach out to you or myself in order for us to, to go a little deeper about this. But here's and the I basic do, idea. And I do think, Vlad, they should take notes. If you're listening in the car, you, know, you can always go back to this segment. And But here's some good basic information. Okay, I apologize. I didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to... No, no, no. That's perfectly fine because this is very important. So you, your first 
think about the following way. You have the bank world, so you check an account, savings account, and you have the investment world, your annuities, life insurance policies, your investment accounts. So the first step, let's talk about the investment side. You have what's known as a transfer on debt. So let's say you have a joint account between your, your spouse and yourself, and God forbid something happens to, uh, to either one of you. Well, the other one will basically inherit the account because the name is already in the account and you become 100% owner of that account. Now, if something happens to both of you, whoever, the tr whoever is designated to be the beneficiary, which is why we're talking about transfer and death, will receive that account. Now, I want to say this, and please pay attention. Your titling of accounts precedes the verbiage of your will. So the will could say 100% is going to marry, but you have Joe listed as a transfer on death on the account. Joe is getting all the money. Mm -hmm. So in this particular instance, um, let's just use my – I'll use myself in this example with my wife. So we have a joint investment account, and we have a son and a daughter, but our daughter is new to our family. She's one and a half. My son was listed as a beneficiary in our account. He's three. There's not much he can do with that account. <laughs> so I actually, so the design is to list my sister as a beneficiary on the account. So if something happens, we also have an agreement, a will in place that she will utilize the money to take care of the children. Now, let's say my son is not three. Let's say he's 17 and my daughter is 15 years old. Actually, let's make him older. Let's make him 20 and 19 for the, their legal age. If I, the account is titled, um, joint with my wife and money going to my son, but my daughter um, that I intend in my will to deviate the money 50-50 to my son and my daughter. Well, if he's the only one is listed as beneficiary of that particular account, he will receive all of the money. Now, I'll keep going and then I'll circle back to all of this. The reason I just I spend a little more time on transfer and death is because everything else will build into itself. Uh, payable and death is your bank side. So if you have a checking account or savings account, you do payable on debt. Now, here's a, something that most of you don't know because not many of you spend time at the bank like I have. When you add a payable on debt to your bank account, your FDIC coverage increases by the amount proportional to the number of people you have listed on that account. I mean, some banks can let you have as many as five payable on debt. But, you know, realistically speaking, you have two, three children, you want to deviate the money, third, you know, a third, a third, and a third, or 50-50, that will increase the FDIC coverage. Now, the next thing is regular titling. So if it's my wife and myself and we just we are just literally listed in the account as myself and my spouse. Now, the next one, the next account that we have is joint with the rights of survivorship. These accounts are not being utilized as much anymore because, well, let's face it, people just kind of realize I can do the joint name, put the beneficiary, and I'm kind of okay. Mm-hmm. Join with the rights of the survivorship basically means that if something happens to one individual, the other person takes the other person takes the possession of the account. And honestly, join with the rights of the survivorship, just like joint uh, tenants in common, they portray more towards business accounts where you have partners and the accounts are titled for you to operate accordingly. Which Joint tenants in common basically means that you guys are able to utilize the account, but if something happens to one of the partners, then the other one has access only to 50% of the account. That's it. The other 50% the other gets frozen. Now, this is an important point for me to bring up. What I wanted to tell you is um, 
Um, well, we're going to finish up and I'll circle back. So All right, then let me, wait, let me ask you a question. Sure. Pat, let, let me ask you a question before sure. you go on to the other. Um, the, um, the TOD and the PODs, I'm sure every first of all, let's just say everyone has probably heard, it, heard of it as TOD or POD, the POD paid on death, right? And you mentioned the FDIC limits. If you have multiple beneficiaries, that your FDIC limits are increased. In case everybody doesn't know, the new FDIC limits are? $250,000 per name, per, per account. Per named person, okay? It used to be 100000 and I know, gosh, it's, got, it's a while that it's been the 250. Right. But I just, you know, you always <laughs> want to make sure, you always want to make sure that people know. That's a good point. They, yeah, that they make changes and that, it, you know, the 250 has been for, for quite some time. Okay, now Correct. go ahead, circle back. So we did the um, the joint tenants in common, and then what was the next one you were going to mention? I didn't mean to cut So the off. next one is, is the trust, and, and without really making it as crazy as possible, trust is created, like in my instance, my son and my daughter. I would create a trust, put a trustee who would be my sister to oversee the trust for the benefit of my son and my daughter. So trust is a legal entity. It's like a, it's a shelter for you to place the money for benefit of somebody else. And it's, um, there's a number of ways and why it's done, like special needs trust, for example, something mm-hmm. that we're very well familiar with. You know, if in case a person is unable to take care of themselves, there is a trustee who oversees how the money is distributed, well, dispersed, whether it's to doctors to take care of various personal needs, whatever is the case. The next one is uh, estate. Estate is basically every, everything you possess. And the idea is you would, uh, upon your demise, everything gets placed into the estate, and then the will dictates how the um, how your estate, so it's whether it's property, whether it's uh, if you have horses, horses would go in there, your checking accounts and whatever else will be, become an estate upon your demise, and then the will will dictate physically, okay, how the money is going. However, if during that process you have beneficiaries on accounts, beneficiaries will receive the money before the money goes into the estate. So I hope that was clear now. Yeah, now let me also ask you a question. The government will, if you don't do any estate planning and you have a large sum, not just cash in the bank, but again, you're not here, they sell your house. Let's say your house has no mortgage and it's worth 800000 And I am not aware of this. I've been out of the, the uh, trust and estate business for, for over 10 years myself personally. What are the new limits on the, um, if, if you have over a certain state dollar amount, government and no planning in place, right? No, none of these documents are, or beneficiaries listed, et cetera. The government comes in and takes what percentage? Is it 50%? So, for example, you're absolutely correct, and then it, it will keep on increasing. It, it basically depends on the point, the sum of money that you have. So the federal what? limit at this point is $5.4 million. Really? Wow, so unless, raise that unless a lot. Right. Unless your estate is about $5.4 million, then you do particular planning, and there are strategies that we work with to, to lower the estate. There are gifts you can do, but for the sake of saving your time, federal is $5.4 million, but in New Jersey, the limit mm-hmm. is $675,000. So, Connie, in your example... So in your example, if you sell a house for eight hundred thousand dollars, that's you know one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars above the federal, the New Jersey estate tax limit. You will pay fifteen thousand dollar tax only. Well, 
on the thir- on the first fifty thousand dollars alone. So basically, if you have wow. you haven't done any kind of planning, nobody took care of this, nobody met with anybody. You sell that house is one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. That let's say goes to you know next of kin or the heirs, they will lose fifteen thousand dollars just off of the first fifty. So we'll already be $110,000, and then clearly there'll be more taxes taken because there is more. So without doing anything, without talking or consulting any kind of financial professional who deal with this and know these numbers and follow through this all the time, right there, you already lost at least $15,000. Yeah, if not more. For doing because you did nothing. Yes, because you did nothing. And and I'm laughing. I want a $5.4 million estate, so my kids have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> Let me share this one one lesson. I, I wish yes, for you to, to, to achieve that, and you will. Yes. <laughs> Let me share this <laughs> this very important bit of, bit of information. And I'll use myself and my wife. And I'll just use hypothetical numbers. So let's say our investment account is, um, I don't know, a million dollars, for example, right? And I don't have any beneficiaries listed on the account. And uh, and I don't have a will, right? Because I'm younger than well, that in, in my age group, you know, I'm I'm in my, my mid thirties, so maybe thirty something year olds don't even think about needing a will, even having a family. So let's say I don't do anything, I don't have a will, I don't talk to anybody, I don't do any kind of planning, I have the million dollars. Well, that money will basically just like my children would become a ward of the state. It would have to mm. go through what's called a probate. So although I have my parents, my sister, and, you know, my other relatives, this money will be placed in the, in, in the state, you know, federal account, and the judge will have six to nine months to, to determine, okay, well, they're no longer here. They cannot speak for themselves. There are no beneficiaries. We need to figure out who is the next person to receive this money. At least expect to pay anywhere from 1% to 2.5% for the judge to, to rule and to hit that hammer and to say, okay, the money is going to uh, Lot's sister because she'll be taking care of the kids. So all I have to do is in my TOD or POD for my bank, just add my sister a- as a beneficiary for my money, and I will save from that million dollars, 2.5%, and that money will stay with my family. And by the way, it's $25,000. Just for the judge to say, okay, the money is going to Vlad's sister. So, yeah. <laughs> crazy, right? It's crazy, you know, but the, but the message is planning really matters. Wasn't it, um, I want to say Rockefellers, he, I mean, he made his money, you know, 100 years ago. He still, his, the money that he originally earned is is in a trust. He has a multi-generation trust. And if, if I read correctly, right, Vlad, you might not know this exactly, but they say that his generations yet to come that aren't even born will be taken right. care of with the money he has in these trusts that goes on for hundreds of years. So they will, they will always have, yeah. So you really can plan and protect your assets beyond just the next generation as well with certain paperwork and terminology and all these things. I just want to pause one more time. Uh, Vlad. If, if yes. you guys, if this topic is like if you're driving or you're listening as you're cleaning or whatever it is that you listen to the show and you're going, holy crap, I got to get a piece of paper and pen and you're getting a little freaked out, really don't. There's so many resources 
um, to be able to help you with this. We're trying, again, I've said this several times, we don't want to scare you. We want to educate you and let you know what the repercussions are by doing nothing and that really, really easy, easy, you can do stuff to protect against any of this crazy stuff we're talking about from happening. If you would like more information, I am going to put Vlad's um, email address and, and website on the radio, on the, the Web Talk Radio platform. So you can, of course, uh, reach out to him. But Vlad, in case they really like, I need to talk to this guy, can you give your, uh, why don't you give your website? Because that has all your contact information. Certainly. Our website is very simple. It's www.craner.com. K-R-A-N is an N-C-E-R.com. Craner.com. Yes, so th- this way he can he can certainly have, and you, you do um, phone consults as well, correct? They don't have to actually correct. come in and meet with you. Okay. So that they start with a conversation. Always. So I think the consult is a good place to start, and then you can simplify their particular situation. You know, we're trying to correct. give different scenarios, and it's easy to use ourselves, you know, and our, our family because we know that. So your situation right. is special to you. That doesn't mean that it, you know, it could be complicated. It might not be as complicated as you think. And I would love to hear from you if you have a story to tell um, a family member that maybe an estate went awry or that there was a mom, dad, grandparent who did really nice estate planning and, and titling and, and had everything organized and what that meant to the beneficiaries and heirs left behind. I'd love to hear your stories. So you can email me directly at Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. So, of course, it's C-O-N-N-I-E at and then W-H-I-T-M-A-N-A-S-S-O-C dot com. Or you can go to my website and it has all my contact information at www.WhitmanAssociates, again, same spelling, dot com. So share your stories because we can, I mean, I can report them back on the show as well um, to say here is some quick right. fixes that, you know, another uh, listener has shared. So, you know, share your stories. We love to share the wealth. Okay, so let's. So that's all the titling. Everybody understands the importance. You know, penny wise, dollar foolish. You can't afford to do a will, or you know, to go to your bank and and change some of these designations. It's time very well worth your time. And for a will, trust, whatever documentation you need, it's not that expensive. Okay, it's it's actually pennies um, on the dollars that you could potentially sell uh, save. So now I have a question for you. The sandwich generation, my, I am the sand, I, I actually represent that. I am sandwiched in between my children who are, you know, 18 and 15. So they still have needs. I'm still needed by them. You know, the financial responsibility of college coming up. And then I also have the responsibility of mom and dad. So I am blessed to have both my parents still living. They're in their mid-80s, and God bless, they're in good health, independent, etc. I also have three siblings that help. We are the sandwich generation. So how do we protect our, or if and when, because my parents are independent right now, Vlad, but what happens if something happens to one of them where they're forgetting and leaving the stove on or um, we, our neighbor next door who, who, poor thing, just passed away, but she had Alzheimer's and she would knock on my parents' door saying, I'm lost, I can't find my home. So if we have situations right. like that, what what can people my age group do to 
help parents that maybe don't have the documentation in place because that's a whole different animal now. Correct. You're absolutely correct. And, and um, unfortunately, like I said, you know, having seen this one too many times, uh, we've created a, a solid outline for families to follow. And the idea behind this is the following. You want to create um, a, a safe, protective net in order to care for your parents, right? So you need to, to be legally able to step in at times and act as, the, as if you were them from a legal standpoint. So from a legal right. standpoint, it's done through a power of attorney. There is a general, there is limited, and there is a durable power of attorney. I'll go briefly through this. A general power of attorney is basically exactly what I just said. You are giving somebody else all the legal um, um, ability that you enjoy yourself. Now, a limited power of attorney is uh, if I want to sell a house that I have in Florida, I would give a power of attorney to, you know, to someone in Florida, maybe an attorney or a closing agent. They go, they sell my house, and the power of attorney ceases to exist. General power of attorney ceases to exist when the person becomes incapacitated or dies, in which case you need a durable power of attorney. A durable power of attorney. So, again, let me repeat myself. A durable power of attorney gives you the ability to continue your general um, taking care of the legality um, of the other person and into incapacitation as well. So the person becomes incapacitated, general power of attorney uh, ceases to exist, but the durable power of attorney continues. Either way, all the power of attorney cease to exist when the person passes away. So the first thing you want to do is you definitely would like to consult with an attorney. And, and I'll be honest with you, there are plenty of attorneys. It's a package deal where they would do a power of attorney, a healthcare proxy, which I will touch up upon in, in a second. And they will provide it all to you at the same time. And while you're there, these are the same guys you can ask about a will for yourself and make sure the will for your parents is updated and make sure just everything's kind of, you know, all done and all in one place. So, the healthcare proxies, basically, you're giving the right to somebody else to dictate how and what's going to happen to you in case you become incapacitated. So this is a person who'd, who'd make determination, you know, to basically to continue to keep you in life support or to, to maybe not continue in life support because these were your wishes uh, that you've agreed, uh, agreed upon prior to you becoming incapacitated. So by, by creating this package, you're able to continue helping your parents. And one thing that I always say, have your parents add you onto their checking account of the bank so you're able to write out checks or take care of whatever needs to be done. Because God forbid something happens and there's need for, you know, light, um, for uh, the planning of the, rice, the lost rights or whatever else, you have access to the money and you can pay for it. Um, without crippling yourself. So this is and, going one way. I just want to share. I just want to share. My mom and dad, sure. there's four of us, and each of us have our own skill set, right? So since I have the banking and the finance background, I have power of attorney over my parents' account now. So if something, God forbid, happens to them, I'm on the checking account and I have, they have a written power of attorney. My brother is the executor. I have a sister who's a pharmacist, so she handles all the medication. So we all have our little uh, strengths that we bring to the table Correct. and approach it as a team. Now, I have two aunts that do not have spouses and do not have any children. 
So on their will, all of the um, their assets once accumulated would go to the nieces and nephews, okay? In the meantime, they realize what happens, just exactly what you're saying. What happens to them if they get dementia or they're unable to pay bills or they're unable to manage their affairs? Again, I'm, I have a lot of money in the fingertips of my hands. Uh, I, and, of course, it's so funny because I, I have access to all of their – I never even look at them. I have no idea what any of them have. Don't care. Not my problem. If, God forbid, something happens, though, we have those mechanisms in place. And this is a funny story I wanted to tell if my aunt is listening. When she was putting all this together, and, of course, she spoke with us uh, kids, okay. you know, like nieces and nephews. And so she said to my sister, who is the pharmacist, she goes, and I'm going to make you responsible for pulling the plug. And, you know, if, if it comes down to that, that you have to make a decision. So she has the health care proxy, I guess, is, is what was given. And so I said right. to this aunt, I said to, to my aunt, say, come on, let me have that pleasure. Now, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So you got, here's the reason I'm telling you this. We certainly had a good chuckle about it because I, I, I really don't want that responsibility. The thing is, you can talk about this stuff, and it doesn't have to be doom and gloom. It's really to put the, the senior person, uh, you know, the elder feeling confident that you understand their wishes and certainly will Correct. execute accordingly. And it's a peace of mind thing, I think, more than anything. So um, I'm sorry. And what, I just had to share that very funny story about the health. No, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we, yeah, we, we learn it. through stories that we, we relate to one another, right? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and now, the, and, go ahead. What were you going to say? Because I kind of. I was just going to exactly. I apologize for jumping in, but exactly what you just said. Final wishes. I mean, just ask them. What are your final wishes? You know, um, is everything you know you you you've, your parents carried their legacy, and they will go from them to you to your children. What is there a message they'd like to pass along with the money that they're leaving behind? Whatever is the case, and and please, this is this is oddly missed. I would say I don't one hundred times. It's missed one hundred times. Many elder people, especially the ones who are um, who's, who've been alone, who are living alone, they have pets, whether it's a, a hamster or a bird or a cat or a dog, while even going through regular planning and making sure the money goes there and here and, you know, who's receiving what, there is absolutely no planning that's done for the pets. And think about it. You, if your parent has a dog that you can't stand and you don't want it, well, what's going to happen to it? Are you going to take this and drop it off at the shelter to be destroyed, or are you going to find a, a good home for this pet? So have conversation about – have pet planning conversation with your parents as well. It's very important. Yeah, absolutely. Um it's It's funny. We had a family meeting, and, you know, my mom and dad, we had a family meeting, my siblings and myself, and my dad has a black book and he has different things written. Example, my dad's okay. an engineer. Glad he's got sets of tools and triplicates. <laughs> so, wow. wow. And wow. yeah, he's, he's, he's just a brilliant guy. So he, he said, we had the meeting and he said, well, I want all of my tools to go to my brother, the only, the only boy. And then he has um, four grandsons. So he said, I, I would like it to go to the, you know, to the grandsons or to my brother. So my brother said, but, you know, you have two brothers. My brother-in-laws and my husband are also very handy. So my brother said to my dad, you know, dude, 
you got triplicates here. He said, so I. <laughs> what am I doing okay? with it? Right. What am I doing with it? And my brother, he's handy. He's handy as well. But what do you do with all these tools? So he said, my dad, my brother said to my dad, which is very cute. Is it okay if I share that with, with your son-in-laws too? Because I really think that they're handy and it would be nice to have something you know, of my dad, because well, they've done nice. so many that's projects. Wasn't that thoughtful? So that's, that's the opportunity by having meetings as families that it gives you an opportunity to hear what your parents' wishes are and what their thoughts are, and then you to comment. And I'll give you another example. So the same meeting, my sister, my younger sister, who's a fabulous cook, I have the big kitchen. She's a beautiful kitchen, too. Mm-hmm. I hate to cook. She loves to cook, and she's very good at it. <laughs> and so she says, and she goes, oh, yeah, you listening while mom and dad are here? I want mommy and daddy's pots and pans because they're seasoned, right? And and I look at her, you're going to have pots and pans. I don't want pots and pans, right? So, but it was nice. We joked, we laughed, but we had this awesome meeting where my parents were like, we didn't realize that. And we, we had moments of, we didn't know you felt that way or, oh, we didn't know you thought about that. So it's just a nice opportunity for everyone to chat. Once, once, the, the situation where the person has has left us, you're you're grieving and you're sad to go back to this financial and and jewelry and furs and my my parents don't have that kind of thing, but I know people have wealth out there. You want to have you want to know what the what the the person that has left really really wanted for for everyone left behind, and I, I think Correct. that's an important. I think that that's the financial love letter that we're talking about. That's um, right. Yeah, just have just talk, man. That's all we need to do sometimes, and then document, 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 so that there's no, you know, mistakes made after the fact. Correct. So did, go ahead. I was going to say, did you want to add anything final? To- yes, I, uh, I think it's a, the the other side are your children, and uh, I yeah. use a very simple analogy with children. When you're on the airplane and you go through, you know, the normal routine of please buckle your seatbelts and please follow the stewardess. Flight attendant, I apologize. That's a different different name for this particular position now. Um, You you follow what they're doing, and they're telling you, what do they always say in case of emergency, and your oxygen mask will drop from above you, and what do they tell you before you do anything with anybody around you? You The parents should put it on first, right? And you put it on yourself first, because oxygen masks come out at the time when the the pressure in the cabin um, um, Basically, well, the decompresses, and um, you need to you need oxygen, and you have a limited amount of time. So they tell you put it on yourself first, and then help the people next to you. Because if you don't do it to yourself, then there's nobody taking care of you at that point. Right. You're good for so nothing. So with your children, right. you know, especially with the crisis, and I and I've seen this among you know many families that we work with, and and this was very difficult when children go to college. They find a job, and then they lose a job, and then when they move back home, and the kids are, you know, children at this point in their mid-20s, late-20s, early-30s, their families who lose jobs, they have to sell their properties, or they lose their homes. Just think about it this way. They still have the timeline to, to, to get their act together and find a new job, start earning money, and move out and do a variety of different things. They have still years before they reach their earning capacity. Right. But you, whether you're in your 50s and your 60s, You've already at this point just about maxed out at your over your earning capacity. I'm not talking about also winning a lottery. I'm talking about just regular earning and going to work and setting money aside. So if you start taking money out of your own nest egg to, to help your children, 
uh, you're crippling yourself. And this is what we're talking about. Don't take that oxygen mask and put it on your kids, forgetting to put it on yourself. Absolutely. And, uh, well said. I think it's an important point to remember. Yeah, that, well said. You can't, you can't leverage or borrow through retirement. So, you know, we want to, our example from the last conversation, Vlad, we said don't take money from your retirement to pay for your kids' college education. Take on the Correct. debt that they could pay for once they do get a job. You certainly can help pay that off, um, you know, God willing that you still have years left to work, but you don't want to leverage your retirement. That's kind of dangerous. Let's Correct. stop one more time. We have about 13 minutes left, and I want to just kind of, if you could give us some ideas on how to tie this together, how to organize everything we just talked about so that Definitely. people could go back and have some kind of plan, okay? A speaker has little value to an audience unless you, the listener, is motivated and empowered to change. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates is a renowned speaker and is an architect of change. Consultations, training, seminars, and speaking engagements are the venues where she affects change. Whether your responsibilities include customer service, sales, marketing, training, executive management, or ownership, and you are seeking change in your organization, then you need to hire Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Connie doesn't just fill your ears with rhetoric. She speaks to the heart and success of your business. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change, Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Okay, we are back and we're wrapping up the segment on love letters or financial love letters uh, to our family. And the last thing, Vlad, if you could kind of tie it all together for us, what are some of the things that folks can do, you know, maybe even this weekend to get their, after working, right, this weekend to get their stuff organized and together? So what are some recommendations? So, um, and please, um, this is available on our website, and Connie would be very happy to share this information with you as well. We literally call this the financial love letter to family, which consists of your six basic folders. And I mean, you can do the sub accounts to however you want to, but so the idea is the following Um, in the safe deposit box or in your safe at home or just in a safe place at your house, have the following six folders. So you have the essentials, Whatever they may be, you know, whether they're uh, insurance policies, contracts on a variety of things that you possess. And, you know, the essentials to every person mean a different thing. Then the other thing, the other folder would be proof of ownership. So if you have cars, you have the deeds to the cars, deeds uh, deed to the house. If you own land, then you have uh, title, whatever is the case. That would be the second the third one would be your bank account. So where do you bank? What are the account numbers? You know, throw in your most recent statement so that you, whoever is the person that you're leaving this for will be able to locate everything. Then you have your healthcare confidential folder where you keep, um, and this is a rather important. I mean, there are particular medications that you take. And, um, and by the way, this, I created this particular folder because this exactly happened to one of our clients. And uh, many things are in transition. His wife um, suffered from seizures, and she was in a hospital, but he was not on her healthcare proxy because they were a second marriage to each other. So oh. he's her husband standing there, 
and the doctor is asking what kind of medication she's taking, and he doesn't know, and he has nowhere oh. to go to check it out. So doctor goes, go to the local CVS where you guys live. He goes to the CVS, and they go, well, you're not listening to the accounts. The oh, people say we can't give you anything. So think about that. So healthcare confidential would be just that, to make sure that whatever you're taking, maybe do a list of itemized, itemized items that you take. And, um, and unfortunately, people have Alzheimer's, a variety of different different other disorders as they get uh, older, they have a tendency of mismatching the medication. I know this happened to my grandmother, may she rest in peace, but she took her own medication. She started hallucinating. Oh and we, goodness. you know, I don't know how she dialed our number, how we ended up there, but she's telling us there are children running around the house. I mean, I, and I was there with my mother. I mean, there are no children. Wow. And then it's, it's yes, Um so the next one is the life insurance and retirement. So this is where you have your investment accounts, your life insurance policies. Same thing. You don't need to go crazy. Take your most recent statement, put it in there so that there, maybe there is a list with account numbers, with insurance policies, maybe a telephone number of who to contact. As a matter of fact, when we put this together for our clients, I always tell them, have your children, when you do the financial meeting, when you, when you discuss things with your family, do tell them that this is the number they need to call after they call the you know they call the 911 that you passed away <laughs> have them immediately call the other number because yeah there is a rigorous financial routine that needs to be taken care of and as, as emotionally I'm involved because of you every single family and a client is a member of my family of course I'm of still course. a professional and we we go into our own planning mode and we make sure that whatever needs to be done is done we yeah. tell you where to go for a will, for whatever, I mean, you know, to probate the will, where to obtain copies of your death, state, uh, death sure. certificates, whatever is the case. Sure. So a resource. This You're is a folder. good resource. Exactly. So this is folder number five. And the last folder is your marriage. I mean, marriage or divorce. Um, we, we live in a world where families, uh, unfortunately, fall apart. People are remarried. There's a number of uh, joint blended families and it's it, it's good it's a good idea to have your marriage certificate or your divorce certificate together so this is kind of the six um, the six folders I mean like I said you're welcome to visit our website at craner.com and um, or give us a call and uh, we'll be able to to walk you through this process and putting this together for you yeah it's great and in addition you know keep it as simple as possible I love what you said with you know you call 911 or whatever and then call us God forbid something happens, you know, put, their, put your business card, just staple the business card to the statement right. if the number's not on the statement even so okay. that you have the specific, because, you know, sometimes they'll have the 800 number and the account is housed in Utah. But if you have a local representative where you live, you want that business card, you know, maybe stapled to the account. I know they Precisely. have now, they have, um, and it's very inexpensive, but online you can buy this same exact premise, these folders, so to speak. But you buy it online and you go in and you can put all of your accounts, right. the account numbers, the representatives, the uh, sign-in and passcodes and all of that. And then it's all protected and identity theft protected and all of that. It's not very, it's not very expensive for the software. That's not probably at all. better. Not that's probably better for people my age. My parents would never set that up. You know, we would have to <laughs> set it up for them. Yeah, they, you know, they're not that computer savvy. You, you know what I mean? But you can scan documents into that as well um, and make changes and delete, et cetera. So the same premise. I love that you can just have this little binder 
and and put it in a safe deposit box or put it into your safe in the basement, wherever it is. I think that's awesome. And you can even have a miscellaneous tab where, like my mom and dad had the tools go to my brother, the pots and pans go to my sister, um, you, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, you can exactly. have a miscellaneous tab depending on, you know, if you have jewelry, certain jewelry pieces that you want to go to the different granddaughters or grandsons for their granddaughter, you know, whatever. So um, I love that. That's so simple. Well, the reason we, we, like I said, we put it together, there's actually two stories that I wanted to share as a wrap up. And um, unfortunately, like I said, it, it's all the things that you keep on keep happening, you know, which is, well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in business to help people and I love what I do. We have, this is a new client and, you know, because I'm not mentioning any names, no, no. a story I can share with you freely. So this particular woman, um, her spouse, they were second marriage for each other. Uh, she was in her mid forties. He was in his, um, she was in her early to mid forties. He was in his late forties. They, um, they were married. They had two children and then he passed away from a heart attack when he was in oh. his, um, he was in his mid-60s oh. and uh, on the way to work. So, um, you know, it's everyone thinks they'll find the last piece, piece of paper, lay down and pass away, but unfortunately it doesn't happen that way. No. So he passed away on his way to work. He worked for the same company throughout his entire career, and he accumulated about, I think it was a little, little um, less than $500,000 in his 401k plan. And outside of that, they had their regular investments. So when she, after the process, you know, grieving and everything else, she started putting um, kind of the financial picture together, figuring out where the money is and everything else. Turns out that he never updated the beneficiary of information, his 401k plan, and his entire no. 401k account went to his ex-wife. <sighs> Although they've been married for over 20 years, they have two kids. This was not his intention. I mean, she's saying he, you know, the yes, they were married. They, they settled this years ago. And when she went in front of the judge and they, they tried to fight it, well, she tried to fight it. And, um, and the judge said, well, all he had to do is change a beneficiary. And the beneficiary wow. right here says, you know, so-and-so. So he goes, my hands are tied. So unfortunately, wow. she's now suing her previous um, advisor because he failed to supervise. He failed to review this with them. Wow. And again, well, I'm sharing this with you. Well, who is to say that this was not, I mean, you know, is he really leaving his 401k plan to somebody he divorced, you know, ions ago? Probably not. So this is wow. one. And um, in the second scenario, this is, this is actually something that happened with another family. They weren't, um, <laughs> oddly enough, they became my clients after this whole event happened and we're working through a number of things right now. Um, their son uh, was very well educated and very early on in his 20s, he landed a very good job on Wall Street and he was, he was a yuppie. He was earning way into six figures and um, saved up money. Family was relatively well to do and he, um, he ended up buying an apartment that his father helped to co-sign on. And as a means, you know, in part of financial planning, his father made him take out a sizable insurance policy so that if something happens to him, because he traveled around the world a lot, being an analyst and covering the things that he was working with, his father made him take out a sizable life insurance policy. Well, a few years into his professional career in his life, he meets a girl, falls madly in love with, and his parents do not approve of her. She hates them, they hate her, whatever is the case. I mean, 
I've heard by this point, unfortunately, I heard both sides of the stories, you know, to each its own. That's the bottom line. Well, uh, the rift in the family happened pretty quickly, and they stopped talking to each other. So he decides to marry this girl. The parents were not at the wedding. This The, the guy and the girl end up having children together. Now he's in his 30s. He gets in a car accident and gets killed. Oh my his life insurance policy was never updated. So his parents receive multi-million dollar settlement from the, the insurance company directly to them. Wow. And now think about this. You have this woman that doesn't have any relationship. The parents just lost their only son. They have grandchildren that they have zero relationship with. And how do you just for a moment think about the dynamic? So we exist, us, financial professionals, not just the guys who are there to sell you an annuity and run away. We exist because we care. We put this together. Unfortunately, we've seen one too many events. Yeah. Where people lose their money, not because there was 2008 and the market's down 38%, right. but because right. of careless planning. And that's the yeah. bottom line. It's, it is, and that's you well said. It's careless lack of planning, actually. And, you know, people don't, fail, people don't plan to fail. People fail to plan. It's one of my favorite Correct. quotes because it, it's really true. We think we have tomorrow and we don't necessarily. And the last thing um, I know, Vlad, your six, the bit, six basic folders, you know, we're thinking, or I was thinking a folder, right? Hard cut. You can do this all on the computer too, put it on a flash drive Correct. and put the flash drive in your safe deposit box or put that flash drive in the safe or someplace secure um, or duplicate. So someone in the family has it that's outside of your house. So you have a copy and someone else, so that the the documents aren't lost, God forbid, of a fire. And locally, I mean, Sandy affected where I live in Monmouth County and our, our house down the shore, we mm-hmm. had to gut it. So, you know, I tease and, and I say to people that I know friends lost everything, you know, documentation, photos that, you know, from, from people that have passed that they can't replicate. So anything that's of value, you certainly want to scan pictures, et cetera, put them on flash drive. We have other uh, means now than just keeping hard copies of things, but certainly our documentation too. I had friends that went through hell and back just to get um, duplication of, of paperwork like marriage certificates and stuff like that. So just a hassle. So, here again, you Correct. have, um, you know, we have computer, we have flash drives that are easy peasy to keep um, things organized. So there's really no excuse. Um, we're, we're actually out of time, Vlad. They were great stories. <laughs> and, I, I, and I'm listening, thinking, you know, we, we've all heard stories like this. We all know people. And I'm sure the listeners have family members that perhaps have gone through this as well. So the moral of today's story is plan create a financial love letter to family absolutely and just plan it man you you can't say you don't have time to do it that's just that's right. a ridiculous um that's a, that's a ridiculous excuse um so i i you, we really are out of time i have to thank you so much and i hope this episode i think this show has been stock full of tons of information i hope people go back and listen to it and take some notes if you're unsure reach out to me, reach out to Vlad. You can Google um, different, you know, the um, paid on desk, different types of titling, et cetera. And I do love the six basic uh, folders. Put it in a safe place. 
insurance policies, proof of ownership for land, cars, my friend's story that she couldn't find the um, title, uh, right. bank accounts, infos, uh, you know, sign-ins, all of those things for our online banking. Healthcare, make sure that we have people who have power of attorney, that we have living wills, all of those documentation cited, life insurance, retirement, person's name attached to all of that so we have access, and, of course, marriage and divorce decrees. And check your beneficiaries on all of your legal money, on all of your legal documentation, right. insurance policies, et cetera. Vlad, thank you so much for being on the show. I hope everybody has walked away with some really insightful and impactful information, and I really do um, thank you for that. Really well done. Uh, again, everyone, I will put Vlad's contact information on the um, website, but if you really interested, go to his website, www.craner, that's K-R-A-N, like Nancy, E-R.com. Um, so that's Vlad, thank you so much. And again, I hope that uh, people reach out and ask uh, for help. We're we're a phone call away. There's resources around us all the time. All right. So thank you. My thank pleasure, you Connie. Great show. Great show as always. Yeah, it was. It was just informative. Um, you all have been listening to Architect of Change with me, your host Connie Whitman, on WebTalkRadio.net. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful, inspired, and financially organized week. <laughs> and I look forward to seeing you all next week. Have a great one. You've been listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here. Time may change me, but I